0: alrighty and as we wrap up that conversation in the room welcome to those who are watching online I believe this is week four of our series on life and faith which we're basing um, our, these talks from the Alpha course as we bring it back in in the room as well uh, as we've welcome those who are watching online I'd love you to just turn your eyes to the screen as our little for our little introductory video to this week's talk thanks Uh Um I have no idea.
1: Why did Jesus die? Je- did Jesus I should
0: really know this. Big question for early in the morning, isn't it? Jesus died for people, other people. He was saving us? Was it
1: Pontius Pilate probably got a bit jealous of Jesus getting all the birds? So we all die. People die for different reasons. Uh, to, well, it, I think it was supposed to be like for our sins, wasn't it? Jesus died because people didn't agree with him. Well, probably fear is why I he died or nothing else. Didn't he, like, sacrifice himself on the cross? So, it his choice. Jesus died because of people's beliefs. That's up for discussion. <laughs> Everybody dies. No one lives forever.
0: So, uh, Aaron likes to joke ...about me taking up my cross. Um, this, of course, is a cross and the symbol of uh, the Christian faith. Uh, it's, really the, it's like the logo of Christianity, right? The cross is so central to the Christian faith. Um, about a third of the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life... ...are actually about the death of Jesus. Um, and, and much of the New Testament is, is spent explaining why he died... Why did he have to die? Why was it so important? Um, I used to wonder how the death of Jesus on uh, a cross, a Roman execution state, could, could have a direct impact on, uh, on, on me, like uh, many Christians around me seem to believe that it could have a direct impact on me and on them. Um, but no one had ever explained to me why Jesus dying on the cross could uh, have a direct impact on me and you. Um, Once I understood that, everything changed for me. Once I understood the reason for the cross, everything changed. Why did Jesus die? Put simply, the reason Jesus died is because he loves you. Because he loves you. There's a verse in the New Testament where Paul says, "...the Son of God," that is Jesus, "...loved me and gave himself for me." So, this is the message. You are loved. That's the message at the heart of the New Testament. That's the message at the heart of, of this universe, really. Um, if you had been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. It's actually as personal as that. Um, he loves you that much. His love is unconditional, it's, it's wholehearted. This love is overwhelming. Um, And that is the reason for the cross. It's God's amazing love for you and for me. So why was the cross necessary? That's what I want to talk a little bit about today. What was the problem? What is the problem? You are created, whether you know it or not, you are created in the image of God. You are actually a masterpiece. I'm a masterpiece. We're all works in progress, but we're a masterpiece. We are, there's something actually amazing about every single human being, about, uh, about every single one of us, something magnificent, something noble. Human beings uh, have, have been such, uh, capable of such extraordinary cap- uh, capabilities of, and creativity because they're made in the image of God. They're created by the Creator, who is creative. They, uh, we can produce art and music and poetry and literature. We're capable of, of great self-sacrifice and devotion and kindness. Unfortunately, there's another side to the coin, and that is that we're also capable of bad stuff, right? Uh, you only have to open the newspaper or a newsfeed on your phone in the morning to, to see there's some terrible things going around in the world, going on in the world. Um, there's evil going on everywhere, uh, but the world is more complex than just saying, oh, well, that's because these people are bad and these people are good and the bad is stuff is because of them. It's much more mixed than that. Right? People who are actually capable of, of great love and great devotion and kindness can also do some bad stuff. I know I've done some, some bad stuff in my life, some stuff in my life that I deeply regret, I've hurt people, I've even hurt people that I love. If I'm really honest, I've hurt people that I love in the last seven days. Because that's that nature within us that that creeps up. The way the New Testament puts it is like this. This should be on the screen. All have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when you read that word sin, I don't know about you, but there, there might be certain connotations like, okay, it's kind of this religious guilt from doing something wrong, or maybe you think of luxury chocolate and ice cream. There was actually a, a, a advert for ice cream that used the slogan, "It's so good, it's sinful." Right? The, the phrase "This is sinful" has sometimes become like synonymous with something enjoyable. But is is that what it is? Well, sin in the Bible is actually much more profound and relevant to you and I today than than this kind of, you know doing something wrong I should be feel bad about. Um, we're not talking about accidental mist- mistakes or too much chocolate, but our seemingly natural inclination to mess things up. Things like promises and, and relationships, things that, and people that we care about and even our own well-being. Um, now we might look around at others and start thinking, well, you know, compared with some people, I'm not really that bad. Um, but this verse that, is from Paul, who says, All have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. Now, that glory is talking about Jesus. Jesus uh, was, the glory of God was revealed in Jesus. So compared to him, this is the truth. We fall short. Compared to the glory of God in Jesus, we fall short. Now, as you think about that, you might say, Okay, so we're all in the same boat what's the big deal? We're all in this together. We're all for short. The problem is that there are consequences to the things that we do wrong. There are consequences to sin. We know this in our heart. and The New Testament describes the impact of sin in a few different ways. What I want to do is highlight them today. These are the problems of sin to help understand well, what, what, are, what is this problem? Four words, and four words starting with P to make it uh, easy to remember. First, there's the pollution of sin. Now, we all know that pollution uh, uh, across our planet is a problem, the pollution of the earth. Uh, But Jesus said it's also possible to pollute your life. It's possible for your heart to become polluted. The things that we do wrong, this is the effect that it has. It spoils our lives. It poisons our relationships, it poisons our relationship with God and with other people. So that's the pollution of sin. Secondly, it can be addictive. And this is the power of sin. Now, Jesus said, uh, Whoever sins is a slave to sin. I really resonate with what Paul said, where he said, I, I, What I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. There's this like, war inside me, and it's, it's, it's a battle. Sin can have this enormous power over us. Um, now, of course, there's, there's things like heroin and other hard drugs where, um, taken over a period of time, they can become addictive. But it's not just hard drugs like that. It's things like even bad temper we can become addi- addicted to. We can become addicted to pride and selfishness and, and slander and sexual immorality. Um, this this is the slavery that Jesus spoke about that has a destructive power uh, over our lives. That's the pollution and the power. There's also then the penalty of sin. Now, if you think about it, we live in a world that cries out for justice. And it's not because we're really mean people, but because love and justice are not opposed. If you hear in the news about a child who was hurt or abducted or something like that, Or if you hear about an elderly person who was robbed in their home, or 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 injured by someone purposefully, uh, we want justice. We want the person who did that crime to be punished because we believe that there should be justice. We should believe there should be punishment for sin. The thing is, it's just much easier. Uh, to look at someone else's and believe that should be punished, but it's our sin as well. Often, um, I have different standards for other people in comparison to myself. Oh, they should, you know, have justice for what they did wrong, but then not for me. Um, just as a bit of a silly example, I'll say to Micah, my son who's just over three years old, uh, Micah, you need to ask before you leave the table at dinner time. While I'm on the couch having retreated from the dinner table. Um, or I'll say to him, uh, No Micah, it's not an ice cream night tonight as I'm sitting on the couch eating a bowl of ice cream. And then I tell him it's porridge um, to <laughs> not get in trouble. Um, those are trivial examples, uh, obviously, but it can, be, it can be far easier, right, to look at others, to condemn, rather than to look inward. Paul said it this way, you therefore have no excuse when you pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Finally, the things that we do wrong create a barrier. Uh, It's like when you fall out with someone and you can't look them in the eye. There's this separation that's happened in the relationship. Um, And this is the partition The partition that sin creates. The breakdown of a relationship. Not just with God, although that's true as well, but with all of our relationships. This is the effect. The problem that sin creates. Pollution, power, penalty and partition. And so that's the bad news. That's the the bad news of the world in which we live. Maybe for you, you've just learnt to live with that. You've gone, you know what? Can't change. What's reality? I'll just live with that. Even if you're a Christian and have been walking with Jesus for some time, maybe you feel that you know, if you just manage it, if you just try hard enough, the, the problem is bearable. It's, it's okay. It's not what you would like, but it's, it's just, you just live with it. But if you really think about it, if we really think about this this morning, I think we'd all say we wish there was a solution, that there's a way for this to change. So the question is, what's the good news? Well, first and foremost, it's that God loves you. And that's not a simplistic answer. That's the foundation, the primary bit of the gospel. God loves you. He came to earth. In the person of his son, to do something about this problem, to die for you and to die for me. And this is where the cross comes in. The Apostle Peter uh, put it like this He himself, that is Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. That means on the cross. By his wounds, you have been healed. So this has been described as the self-substitution of God. That that God substituted himself, put himself in your place, in my place. So what what does that really mean? If God would would bear our sins in our place. Let me tell you a story that illustrates this. Uh, July 1941 there was a prisoner who escaped from Auschwitz. Um, and as a reprisal, the, the Gestapo, he selected 10 men arbitrarily to die in a starvation bunker. Um, horrible scene. One of the men selected, his name was Francis Guy of Nietzscheck. Uh, spelt um, not the way it sounds, but that's how you pronounce it. Francis Guy of Nietzscheck. And when he was selected... He was just in anguish. He cried out saying, oh, my poor wife and my children, they'll never see me again. He was just devastated. At that moment, there was a little Polish man, glasses, wireframes. He stepped out of the line. He took off his cap, having heard this. And he said, look, I'm actually a Catholic priest. So I don't have a wife. I don't have children. I would like to die instead of that man who just cried out. And to everyone's amazement, this this man's offer was accepted. He, instead of Francis Gajofnicek, was taken to the starvation bunker. And um, on August 14th, he he became the last one to die of those 10 men. Um, During that time, up until then, he kept up this amazing atmosphere. He had them praying, he had them singing hymns. It was like this joyful church service in the starvation bunker. Um, But on 14th of August, they needed the bunker for other people, so they gave him a lethal injection of carbolic acid, and that's how he died. 41 years later, this man's death was put in proper perspective. There was a crowd of 150,000 people, 26 cardinals, 300 archbishops and bishops, St. Peter's Square, Rome. And in that crowd was the man who didn't have to die, Francis Guy of Nicek. And the Pope said on that occasion about this other man's death that the death of Maximilian Kolbe, that Polish 47-year-old priest who stepped forward to give his life, was... That it was a victory like that which was won by our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he gave himself, he gave up his life out of love in that other man's place. And Francis Guy of Nicek died at the age of 93, but he'd spent the rest of his life going around telling everyone about the love of this man who had died in his place. Amazing story. But in an even more amazing way and wonderful way, Jesus died instead of you and instead of me. The thing about crucifixion is that it was the the height of pain. And it was incredibly shameful. Um, And yet, interestingly, the New Testament never dwells on the manner in which Jesus died it never dwells on the physical suffering of Jesus, the torture, the crucifixion, because other people have suffered crucifixion. Other people have been tortured um, and suffered horrible deaths. What it focuses on, what the Bible focuses on, is, is what was unique about Jesus' death. It focuses on the fact that he was suffering spiritually because he was bearing on himself your guilt and my guilt. So we have this problem, the pollution and the the, the partition and everything that sin creates. And we have the solution that Jesus would die in our place. But what is the result of that? When the solution comes, what, what happens? What's the result of all of this? The cross reveals our great worth to God. This is the result. We see what love is, the depth of love that would lead God himself to that cross. We see that love by what he did. It shows us not just that he loves us, but what love is. That it's not just a feeling or a, or a word spoken where God says, I love you, I love you, but it's, it's an action. He, he, he stepped out and sacrificed himself. It reveals the willingness of God to be near not just that he loves us and what love is, but that he was willing to to come and not just sit up in the deck chair of heaven, but come to this earth to suffer with us, to suffer alongside of us, to suffer for us. And together with the resurrection, it also shows that evil has been defeated. The cross and the resurrection was not a reversal of a defeat. It was the manifestation of a victory. A victory over evil to say evil we will not have the last word in this world what this all means for us is that those four p's the problem of sin the problems of sin have been reversed by jesus death and his resurrection and this is the good news the problem is dealt with so firstly if we work backwards through those first four things the partition has been removed the barrier that has been created between you and God has been taken away. You can come home. What, what St. Paul says is that God was in Christ reconciling Himself, the, sorry, the world to himself. And that is reconciling you and me. To himself, the cross was not the cross was not God punishing some innocent third party where He got someone to put it all on. That would be barbaric. The cross was God being in Christ, reconciling me and you to Himself. On the screen, you'll see a, a picture of a sculpture. This is a sculpture Charlie McAzee did um, of the Prodigal Son. You may know the story. Uh, son uh, runs from home, but then returns to the arms of the father. And it's this complete embrace, this just hugging him and kissing him, saying, you're welcome back home. That's what Jesus made possible. That's reconciliation. The loving Father welcoming you and me back, hugging us, holding us. Me, personally, I've found that this reconciliation with God leads to reconciliation in all our other relationships. Not always, but it certainly has that power. Between parents and children, in friendships and in marriages, when we're reconciled to God, there's the ability so much more to be reconciled with one another. That's the partition being dealt with. But the penalty has also been paid. Jesus paid the price. We simply have to accept the gift. It's such a good deal. It's not buy one, get one free. It's buy nothing, get it all free and instead of that giving us this liberty to sin, oh great, all oh, my sin's dealt with, now I can do what I want. Quite the opposite. It it Once the penalty is paid for, it becomes the incentive not to sin, to live differently. Have a watch of this video.
1: I got in with the wrong crowd, and I started to um, pinch cars, burglars. houses they become known, me and my friends become known as very high-profile thieves really i used to carry big knives uh, the the big knives to the smaller knives down my waist and i was the kind of person where if you pulled a knife out i would use it Uh, i ended up stabbing someone in the head Uh, i ended up um, stabbing someone just missing his heart and going through the top of his shoulder uh, the, the top of his chest and his shoulder way he dropped to the floor and so i was on the run for two attempted murders and then i was just when I went to prison, I had such a hatred for the system and I couldn't handle being told what to do, couldn't handle prison officers mucking me about. When I went out on association, I got a prison officer and I, uh, I stabbed them. And then this led to me going into maximum security prisons, being put on CSC, to where they feed you through a hatch in the door. There's no physical contact, so they have to have ride shields and ride gear on. Um, and that was my life for a long, long time basically, and I, I just was going from prison to prison, prison to prison. But then I ended up going to Long Larton in Worcestershire. And when I was in there, I ended up going in an alpha course. Never heard of an alpha course, didn't know anything. And I just remember walking in, because they'd sent me down, I sat down on a chair, and I thought, oh no, it's a Christian thing. And we'd just go there every week, and I would argue. And the pastor, um, I remember he came come to me, He said, right, I'm going to say a few scriptures first before we pray. And one of them was, no one's righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he said the verses about Jesus and explained a bit why he died on the cross for sinners and stuff. And then he said, pray. So I started praying. And I said, "Uh, God, I said, God, if you're real, come into my life because I hate who I am nothing happened but then as I was talking to the pastor I started to feel this energy feeling in my stomach and it started to raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up and I just broke out into uncontrollable um, tears and I just sobbed and I just right there because that was a change in my whole life. I knew God was real. Um, and no one will change that now. And then I remember <laughs> running on the wing. People clearly knew that I would become a Christian. So I actually helped them on another two Alpha courses. And then I, um, I got released. I've been in a prison where I, because st- you would have thought that the prison where I stopped the prison officers would have been the last prison to have me. But they were the first that's how god works the best thing for me is going in prisons and helping the lads in prison and and trying to tell them about god i've got five kids and they're my life Um, and what upsets me is because now i know um, that back then if i had the kids uh, they wouldn't have had a good upbringing and now they sit on the night and have bible studies with their dad Um, a Bible study with a dad, have a life, The beautiful, um, and my life, And this probably my wife and my kids are the best gift, that, apart from the grace God's given me, is the best gift I've ever, he'll ever give me. Um, Didn't expect to cry like that, we covered now.
0: I don't know about you. I don't think I've managed to make it through that video yet without welling up. Um, I think I've watched it about 15 times now. You know, the good news is not only that the partition and the penalty of sin has been paid, but also that the power of sin has been dealt with. It was broken through the cross. Jesus says, and we sung about this before, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Our addictions are broken. Now, I've found that in some areas of life that can be a quick thing. At other times, it can take a long time. Uh, to use two theological terms, justification happens instantly. You're put right with God in an instant You're made righteous just like that. But sanctification, which is becoming more like Jesus, that's a lifelong process. But just because it's a lifelong process doesn't mean it's impossible. It's absolutely possible. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And finally, as John writes, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So the pollution has also been removed, the pollution of sin. There's continual forgiveness that there's, there, This love is offered constantly. And uh, the difference this makes in our life is, is so profound because when you are forgiven, you want to forgive. You are able to forgive. When someone offends or hurts me, uh, I can so often hold a grudge. Um, a friend of mine says, that is like live, letting someone live rent-free in your head. Uh, and of course, that's not hurting them, that's hurting me. Someone once said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. But I'm, I'm, I'm finding more and more that, because this is so hard, uh, it's, it's only when I'm focused on me in that scenario that I get burdened with that grudge. When I change my focus and I look at Jesus, when I look at how he's forgiven me, me then then i want to let go of the grudge i know it's the best thing and i become able by his power to forgive more than that though because god's forgiven you you also have to forgive yourself and if i'm honest and i'm sure probably if most of you are honest this is the hardest thing it's so important, though, because as C.S. Lewis points out, refusing to forgive ourselves is like setting ourselves up as a higher tribunal than God. Setting ourselves up as a higher tribunal than God. God forgives you, so forgive yourself. So important. You know, we forgive others and we forgive ourselves because we have been forgiven so much. It's a choice, but it's not an optional thing, it's essential. It's really hard though. See as Lewis said this as well, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Then it's really hard. I'm sure we'd all agree with that. But this proverb is really really is true that the first to apologize is the bravest, the first to forgive is the strongest, and the first to forget is the happiest. I want to finish with a story. Quarry ten boom was an amazing uh, Dutch Christian who, uh, during the war, hid Jews from Nazis. She uh, was caught, and, uh, as was her father and her sister, Betsy, and they died there in the camps. But amazingly, Corey survived. Uh, and after the war, she went around talking to other people about forgiveness. In 1947, she was speaking in a church, little church in Germany and uh, when she'd finished her talk, this man started to come up towards her and she recognised him as one of the most cruel guards in that concentration camp. And when she saw him, she could remember uh, walking naked past him. She said she felt so cold and so angry in that moment as she saw him. And he came up to her and he said to her this. He said, I have become a Christian now. I know I've done some cruel things but I've received God's forgiveness for the cruelties I've done and I would like to ask God's grace for an opportunity to ask one of my very victims for forgiveness. For Eileen Temboom, once you were forgiven and he said, will you forgive me? Will you shake my hand as a sign that you've forgiven me? This is what happened when he asked for Corey's forgiveness. And I could not. I remembered the suffering of
1: my dying sister through him. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him.
0: And then I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free and I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him and it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. This total unlimited forgiveness, you know, I, I really believe it changes and transforms family life, marriages, rela- all our relationships, all our friendships, if we'll let it. The Son of God, Jesus, gave himself for you. The more I've come to understand that one simple truth, that one thing, the more it continues to change my life and I honestly believe it can change everything for each and every single one of us, for you too. Whether you're a Christian and you, you, you feel burdened still and weighed down as I do when I take my eyes off of the cross or whether you've never experienced this forgiveness before, you can actually just receive it It's a gift. It's a gift. I want to invite you to receive this gift today, wherever you're at, by taking communion. Symbols of Christ's body broken and blood spilled for you. Before we do that and as we pray, I just want to invite you as we're praying to place your hands like you're both giving God your sin, but also receiving this gift of forgiveness An exchange. And if you want this exchange, I just ask you to echo the words that I pray in your own heart as well. God, I believe that you were in Christ Jesus on that cross. And you were there because of our sin, because of my sin. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me for the ways I've polluted my life, my relationships, and my relationship with you. I now receive your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for making me new, making me whole. I ask your Holy Spirit to come and remove the power of sin over my life and help me to live in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.